0: Welcome to Newport Beach in the Rearview Mirror, I'm Bill Lobdell. This story is absolutely nuts. It's the biggest what-if in Newport history. It was a literal fork in the road for the city's future. If the city went down one path, one fork in the road, PCH would have remained the main artery through town. So basically, status quo. The other path, the path almost taken, would have resulted in a massive freeway running through the heart of Newport Beach. By almost taken, I mean almost taken. Before researching the story, I had no idea how perilously close Newport Beach was to having a freeway run through town. Damn, this traffic jam. how I hates to be late. It hurts my motors go so so. Damn, this traffic Jam. Now get home, supper, be home. All right, Damn, as always, let's start at the beginning. In 1970, after 13 years of negotiations, the Pro Freeway Newport Beach City Council and the State of California's Division of Highways signed a freeway agreement that would have allowed a major freeway up to twenty. 12 lanes in some places run along the coast and Newport Harbor. Just a quick note before we get too into this. The freeway in question was called the Coastal Freeway. And Pacific Coast Highway, as many know, when it runs through Newport Beach, is called West Coast Highway, East Coast Highway. Why? Who knows? I don't. For this podcast, because the names Coast Highway and Coastal Freeway are very similar, we'll just refer to them as PCH and the coastal freeway. Make sense? Let's go. The coastal freeway would have run loosely parallel to PCH, cutting Newport in two. Harbors and beaches on one side, and the inland portions of the city on the other side. It would have wiped out hundreds of businesses and houses. To give you some sense of the scope, it would have put a five-level, five-level interchange at the intersection of PCH and MacArthur Boulevard. With this interchange, the entrance to the charming village of Corona Mar would have looked a lot like the tangle of freeways in any metropolitan center in the U.S. It's hard to imagine what almost was. Despite the audacity and the insanity of the proposal, it had very little opposition. In 1970, the coastal freeway through Newport Beach looked like a fait accompli. But before the bulldozers could be fired up, an army of residents who called themselves the Freeway Fighters rose up in Newport, armed with petitions, mailers, mini newspapers, lobbying prowess, and a ballot initiative. And little more than a year later, the Freeway went from a sure thing to being wiped off the map by Governor Ronald Reagan himself. And Newport Beach, as we know it, was saved. One of those original freeway fighters was Bob Kirchey, a Newport Beach resident who I'd like to dedicate this episode of the Newport Beach in the Rearview Mirror podcast to. His daughter, Ellie Chandler, a listener to this podcast, connected us. He was extremely generous with information about what happened back in the day, gave me his personal story, and also some materials like the many newspapers they used to fight the freeway. Hearing how Bob got involved in the freeway fight, well, it's a nightmare that most homeowners couldn't even imagine in nineteen sixty eight he moved to Harbor View Hills south, off of Marguerite Avenue, and just above credit OMar's Flower streets and the Oasis Senior Center. Two years later, he was reading the newspaper and was stunned to discover that a freeway a freeway was about to run basically through his backyard a backyard that has views of the Pacific and Catalina Island, and now is going to have a view of a freeway. I, I guess the um, real estate disclosures were not what they are today. But anyway, that's, that's what got him up and fighting. That's, what, uh, that's why he joined the freeway fighters. And it's because people like him that we don't have this freeway. We, uh, Newport Beach has been saved. So thank you, Bob, and all the other people who worked so hard on this. All right, with that done. Here are four things to know about the Coastal Freeway. Pleased to meet you. Hope you guess my name. But what's puzzling you is the nature of my game. First thing to know, like any good story, this one has a villain. A pretty good villain at that. In 1956... Congress passed the Federal Aid Highway Act, which authorized the construction of a 41,000 mile network of interstate highways that would span the nation, and the federal government would pay 90% of the construction costs. So suddenly, Sacramento had a ton of money to build freeways across the state, and they had the perfect bureaucrat to put the plans into action. His name was E.T. Telford, assistant state engineer for the California Division of Highways. His nickname was, no kidding, Mr. Freeway. He looked a lot like Lyndon B. Johnson right down to those horn-rimmed glasses. And unfortunately for the people of California, he only had two people above him in state government, his boss at the State Department of Highways and the governor. He basically was the freeway czar of the Golden State, accountable to no one. So E.T. Telford, put together a master plan of California highways, which included the Coastal Freeway. By the way, it was also called in varying accounts the Coast Freeway and the Pacific Freeway, but most references had it the Coastal Freeway. It appeared that Mr. Telford had an affinity for putting freeways in some of the most beautiful scenic coastal sections of California. In addition to Newport Beach, he also proposed segments of the Coastal Freeway in Malibu, Santa Barbara, Monterey. As best I could tell, the only place he was successful was that small stretch of the 101 north of the city of Ventura, which out of nowhere becomes a freeway for several miles. That freeway was built in 1960, so the time frame is correct and it appears to have Mr. Freeway's fingerprints all over it. So Mr. Telford's coastal freeway through Newport obviously running from the Santa Ana River through the end of town down south, was scheduled for completion in 1963. And Mr. Freeway tried hard to make it happen. He was a true believer and an evangelist for freeways. He really believed that Orange County needed a coastal freeway to take the pressure off the 405 and five freeways that ran north and south. Otherwise, PCH would just become a parking lot and choke off future development. He thought this was especially true because Orange County was experiencing this rapid growth and would only continue to do so if it had an adequate traffic circulation system. The trend of development makes certain, he said, that the population on the coastal slope will need more highway capacity than furnished without a freeway the future demands answers. The future demands answers. That's the gospel according to Mr. Freeway. Okay. Orange County residents didn't like him so much. They called him pigheaded, unreasonable, the leader of Nazi stormtroopers from Sacramento. And I love the fact that he didn't care. He decided that there's going to be a coastal freeway. He decided it was good for Orange County and no one had the power in the state to stop that from happening. In E.T. Telford's mind, if the people were against the freeway, they just didn't understand what an amazing amenity it would be to the people of Newport Beach. As he said, I'd like to move to Newport Beach when I retire. It hardly sounds reasonable that I'd try to ruin it. The long and winding road second thing to know about the coastal freeway. The freeway route through Newport Beach was just flat out bizarre, especially viewing it from today's vantage point. If you're not familiar with Newport, picture this freeway, 12 lanes at its widest, six lanes at its narrowest, and just imagine this elevated freeway rising high above a seaside town's beaches and harbor. Not only would it dominate the city's landscape, but you'd you'd have to use underpasses just to get to the beaches and the harbor. For those familiar with Newport, let me take you along the proposed route. First, there'd be a massive bridge built over the Santa Ana River, and the freeway would run through West Newport atop a 35-foot embankment, obliterating any sense of the funky beach community vibe that comes from that end of town. The strip of businesses in West Newport along PCH would have been wiped out, as would hundreds of homes in the Newport Shores community. And that would happen throughout the city where eminent domain would have taken hundreds of businesses and homes. Next, the freeway would run past Hogue Hospital and connect to the planned Newport Beach Freeway. Of course, the Newport Freeway, or 55 Freeway, never made it to the coast as planned. It stopped at 19th Street in Costa Mesa, which is why it's named now the Costa Mesa Freeway. Along Mariner's Mile, the freeway planners considered two options. One was to mow down all the businesses along the inland side of PCH and build a double-decker freeway wedged between PCH and the bluff. The second option, and this is the one they chose, run the freeway up the bluff that overlooks Newport Harbor, Eliminate hundreds of homes in the Cliff Haven community, which is right adjacent to or above the uh, Babo Bay Club by Ensign Middle School. And that option would have required a 85 foot retaining wall rising up along the bluff from PCH. The half mile long, eight and a half story slab of concrete would have been the second most dominant feature of Mariners Mile, right behind the harbor itself. From there, the freeway would cross the back bay via a massive bridge. On the other side, it would dip down, wipe out the Newport Dunes, come back up. Again, parallel PCH run in front of Fashion Island. By the way, that was one reason Fashion Island was there, because the Irvine Company thought what a great place for a shopping center right adjacent to the freeway, which was expected to carry 187,000 cars daily. And then at MacArthur and PCH, it would connect with the planned Coronado Mar Freeway via a five-level interchange. The interchange was described by one opponent as, quote, an upside-down bowl of spaghetti with five levels and its highest point 90 feet up. It will be a half-mile long and a quarter-mile wide and wipe out more than 80 acres. This kind of monster the people must have a voice in. Of course, the Coronado Mar Freeway, like the Newport Freeway, never made it to the coast. Here's the final last bit of craziness for this freeway through Newport Beach. In Coronado the freeway was planned to run behind 5th Street in the path of what's now Grand Howard Park, Harborview Elementary School, uh, Oasis Senior Center. So the freeway would have gone behind the flower streets, behind old Coronado Mar. And then dip into a man-made canyon, 90 feet below grade. Somehow make it across Buck Gully with a bridge. There'd be an on and off ramp at Morning Canyon, and from there, it would basically parallel PCH till it got to Laguna Beach proper. The plan is just hard to imagine in this day and age. And and people generally before before this army rose up, people generally liked the idea. Throughout the freeway process. Newport Beach officials worked with, not against, the state. The largest and basically only point of contention with the state was the path of the freeway. On the city's west end near Huntington Beach, Newport Beach wanted the freeway to run inland, about a mile from the coast, along their common border with Costa Mesa, and that would have been 15th Street. That was an option that the state rejected and Costa Mesa fought against for obvious reasons. They didn't want a freeway bumping up against their city. So the route remained along the coast, and the Newport Beach City Council agreed to the plan. Third thing you should know about the coastal freeway. Opposition to the freeway almost came too late. As we talked about earlier, the route had been decided on, Newport had signed a pact with the state agreeing to it, and funding was in place. Today, it's more than reasonable to ask, Why this lack of opposition to something as impactful as a freeway running through the town? I have a couple theories. First, back in the 1950s and 1960s, freeways weren't generally considered evil. They were signs of a thriving community. They allowed for more development and created a convenient way to get from point A to point B. They were new, they were modern. And as strange as it sounds, the coastal freeway was sold as a way to reduce pollution by keeping traffic moving and reducing the number of idling cars. No no kidding, that was a main talking point. As Orange County Road Commissioner Al Koch said, I think the anti freeway attitude is just a temporary reaction on the public's part. The popular idea at the moment is the freeway is a destroyer of the environment. In my opinion, the opposite is true. Here's the second part of my theory on why there wasn't initially a lot of opposition to the freeway. Back in the day, it didn't seem to occur to smaller cities such as Newport Beach that they could actually fight the state and the federal government and win. If E.T. Mr. Freeway Telford said the coastal highway was needed, then that was taken as gospel. Fourth and final thing to know about the coastal freeway. Don't piss off newporters. Before freeway construction could start, residents had what seemed like a simple request. Could the state at least reconsider a more inland route? State officials said repeatedly, Nope, we've been debating this for more than a decade. We have an agreement in place. We're moving forward. It was strange how stubborn the state was in keeping the coastal freeway, well, on the, on the coast. It certainly wouldn't happen today with the Coastal Commission and with the easily rallied environmentalists and local residents. But back then, it almost seemed like a point of pride for state officials to make sure commuters had sweeping ocean and harbor views as they drove 70 miles an hour through Newport. I don't get it. Never will. And, of course, in hindsight, they probably should have tried a little bit more to appease Newport Beach. To make matters worse, Newport Beach activists found out the Irvine Company, the city's largest property owner and developer by far, which had publicly vowed neutrality on the freeway, had been lobbying Sacramento behind the scenes to get it built. As this came to light, it energized residents even more the vice mayor at the time, Howard Rogers, called the Irvine Company the enemy of the people of the city of Newport Beach. Quote, one of our main antagonists in our 15-year freeway battle is and has been the Irvine Company. It's time they consider something other than profit. And back then when the council was lockstep with the Irvine Company, that was, that was quite a declaration. And having been pushed around for years, Newport residents decided to fight back. Enough. We're no longer arguing about the route of the freeway. We want this freeway gone. Period. It would be a difficult battle. Many thought the activists were simply tilting at windmills because the odds were so stacked against them. I mean, until 1976, out of the seven Newport Beach council members, favored the freeway. They they not only favored the freeway, they lobbied for it. And I hate to say it, but But the most influential local newspaper, my alma mater, the Daily Pilot, also championed the freeway, both in its editorials and I can make the case in its uh, slanted editorial coverage. Tired of being pushed around by the state, undercut by the Irvine Company, and fed propaganda, sorry, Daily Pilot by the Daily Pilot, Newport Beach residents united. Quickly, anti-freeway groups formed across the city. The most prominent one being the freeway fighters of the harbor area, which was led by Marshall Duffield, the former USCL American quarterback, business leader, and yes, the father of Duffy Duffield, inventor of the Duffy Electric Boat, and former Newport Beach mayor. as the state continued to put relentless pressure on the city to get the freeway built, Marshall Duffield said to the papers quote, "The apparent urgency." to get this freeway shoved down our throats is a little ridiculous. So the freeway fighters went on the offensive. They lobbied state and federal officials, taking trips to Sacramento and Washington D.C. They published an eight-page mini newspaper. They collected more than 20,000 signatures from those against the freeway. That's pretty incredible since the town only had 50,000 residents at the time. But still the city council wouldn't budge. Their contention was that a freeway was needed and besides A deal had already been struck. There was no going back. So the residents decided to take it to the ballot box. They gathered double the amount of signatures needed to put a referendum on the ballot. And even with that momentum, five of the seven city council members put arguments on the ballot against the referendum. The election was on March 9th, 1971. It drew the largest voter turnout in Newport Beach history. And not surprisingly, the referendum passed in a landslide with 85% of residents voting in favor. 85%! That finally got the attention of the city council and Sacramento. A new city council, which had some new anti-freeway members, voted to rescind the agreement two months later. And this was this was courageous in that the state said, if you back out of the agreement, we're going to charge you all the costs we've had for the past 15 years, trying to get this freeway built. In response, Newport simply said, bring it. Like any bully when stood up to, the state of California quickly scurried away. I think in part because Newport Beach became a fundraising mecca for conservatives who were running for local or state or federal office, and and it just wasn't worth it to get a freeway built and in anger, an entire block of potential donors. So in fast order, the state did a 180 and Governor Ronald Reagan announced a new transportation policy that banned, quote, unwarranted intrusion by the state highway system on California's coastline, unquote. Game over. Can you imagine? Sacramento had spent a decade and a half pulling every lever it could To get the freeway built, and just like that, they were out of the coastal freeway business. Now, at this point in the freeway saga, I'm wondering what our old friend E.T. Telford was thinking. By the looks of things, he had long since left the scene, and I imagine him in retirement somewhere, not Newport Beach, and taking a look at a newspaper with the headline, Governor Reagan bans coastal freeways. I just think old E.T. would have shook his head and thought, my God, why would the state cave in to the desires of ordinary citizens? That's how I'd like to think it went anyway. In the end, it took the freeway fighters and Newport Beach little more than a year To Kill a Freeway, a decade and a half in the making. Okay, now for the two last questions we always ask. Could the heroic fight against the coastal freeway be made into a six-part Netflix series? I have to be honest here and say no. Very few people would root for residents of an affluent coastal town battling to keep a freeway from running through their city. It's a great story for locals, but I'm just not sure how many others would want to root for Newport Beach in its freeway battle. Okay, the second question How important was the freeway fight to Newport Beach history? I would argue that it was the most important fight. The freeway, if built, would have changed the character of the town, it would bifurcate it, it would create all kinds of pollution, eyesores the whole charm of Newport with its beaches and harbor and views would have been ruined, absolutely wiped out. Would it be an exaggeration to say it would have turned into Los Angeles by the sea? Yeah, of course. But it would have swung in that direction. So when you drive down PCH and don't see an elevated freeway, a five-level interchange, a giant concrete ribbon of highway looming above the harbor, you might want to take a moment to give thanks for the freeway fighters and all the residents who rose up to save Newport Beach at a time when it looked like it couldn't be saved. And maybe if you're like me and complain upon occasion about the traffic on PCH through town, now that you know the story about the greenlit freeway, that almost was Maybe that small amount of congestion on PCH can be looked upon as a blessing. Seriously. Thanks for getting into this podcast time machine with me and traveling back to the early 1970s to witness Newport Beach's epic freeway fight against the coastal freeway. We'll see you next time.